Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 34. This episode is sponsored by DeGreiter and its portfolio in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For students and researchers in mathematics, DeGreiter's 2022 catalog is now available at thisacademiclife.org. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I am a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, my name is Pania Newell. I'm also a professor of mechanical engineering. Today, we have Liz Tentin on the show. I've met Liz about four and a half years ago when she was in the fourth grade and researching the mechanics of roller coasters. I remember how impressed I was with her in-depth knowledge of roller coasters. Now, she is in the eighth grade and is a student at West High School's Magnet ELP program and is interested in neural science. We thought she can share her view about STEM programs and answer some of our questions. So welcome, Lise. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. So Liz, can you tell us what STEM topics are most important to youth today? One of the most important things to youth today, and I'm sure a lot of young people will agree with this, is the idea of climate change, climate science, because young people are going to have to live in a world affected by climate change. I know that sometimes to young people, it feels like we have fewer chances in life because of how climate change has affected every single thing about everybody's life. It's global. So there are a lot of young people who are motivated and really want to try and help the climate change issue. Also, I know that psychology and neuroscience is a very popular interest among young people, it's always been around, but there are a lot more young people who are interested in going into those fields, not only because there are a lot of scientific breakthroughs that have happened recently in the 21st century when it comes to these fields, but also because previously stigmatized topics that relate to psychology, like mental health, are more acceptable to talk about amongst young people. Wow, interesting. Personally, if I had the brain, I always <laughs> wanted to study brain. <laughs> but, but beside the joke, actually, I'm afraid of blood. That was the reason that I never went to that field. But it's really fascinating to hear the younger generations, they are into uh, neuroscience. So how can teachers and professors best support younger generations and help them to achieve their goals? So I think that teaching strategies have become slightly more accepting and I guess kinder than they have in previous generations because of changing views about how teaching and just supporting young people in general should work. I think that an ideal teaching environment is not one that is free of consequence, but I think that educators should try and promote the idea of learning from mistakes in their students 
instead of quitting at the first sign of failure, because a lot of young people who are very ambitious or who have very high standards of themselves will often have the idea that if they're not good at something immediately, then they must never be good at it, or they have to pick something else to do because they're used to being praised in things like gifted programs or magnet programs. So thanks for that. That was a great observation about how teachers should engage students that may not often get it on the first try. So I appreciate your insight about that. One of my questions is, how do you think diversity will change the STEM fields as younger generations enter college? And how will it change the job market? As STEM becomes more diverse, there's also going to be expanding views on science and technology because there's people from different backgrounds coming in. STEM has always had diverse people in it, but it's also been largely headed by privileged people. So maybe as the ratio of demographics becomes more even, there will be like voices that are being heard more so than they were before. And we will have to reconsider things that were previously just assumed to be true and held up as scientific standard because so few people were being heard that had a different perspective on them. So I think that we're going to see a lot of new ideas, maybe not new ideas even, but ideas that have been around for a very long time, but are just now having the opportunity to be heard by the larger populace. Great. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. What are some reasons that you think young people might be hesitant to go into STEM? So as I mentioned earlier, a lot of young people who were put into quote unquote gifted programs or extended learning programs are being taught to think that they should be good at everything all of the time and are encouraged to drop anything that they're not immediately good at. So I think that a lot of people like that are going to be nervous of going into STEM because of its reputation as being difficult. And also, I think that our generation is defined by easy access to the internet from a very early age. We were born into the internet age, and we are constantly flooded with stories about how bad things have gotten, not only in terms of climate change, but political climate, other things like that. And it really affects people and nihilism has become something that is really affecting young people. And so some young people might feel that things have gotten so bad that it, like they should just sort of give up. It's interesting that you mentioned those gifted programs. I was actually one of those students who went into the gifted programs. And one thing I did appreciate about the gifted programs was they not only selected students who was good at science and math, but it was students who was just good at anything, you know, whether it was creative writing, whether it was art, music. So in my gifted program, we had a very diverse group of students. It wasn't just focused on STEM and I really appreciated that. And I think it actually broadened my perspective of 
what being gifted is. And so I also found in those classes, not only was I good at the math and science, which was one of the reasons I got pulled in for my particular case, but it turned out I was a very good creative writer. <laughs> and so I wouldn't have never known that if I hadn't been pulled into those classes. My point is you make a very good point that these classes should be used to pull out the strengths of all the students and also expose them to other things that could also be a strength <laughs> that's not stem so i very much appreciate your comment about that so my last question is how do you think we can get everyone more interested in stem even those students who may not get it on the first try i think it's important to target people's interests because if somebody is going into STEM just because their parents want them to, because they think that's what defines success, then they're not going to be as productive in a STEM field as somebody who is genuinely interested in science or technology. So I don't think that STEM is for everybody. I think that everybody can appreciate STEM, but I don't think that everybody needs to or should go into a STEM field if that's just not something that they're interested in. Also, I think that as we see more societal change and progress, it's important to target systemic barriers that may prevent certain people from going into STEM in the first place, especially low-income families who can't afford college tuitions that are needed to break into STEM in a lot of cases. But that not only like low income, but also systemic racism may also be preventing Black people and other people of color, a lot of them from entering STEM, just because of different systems that are sort of pushing those people away from science. So Lise, I have almost a teenager son in my house. He's very good at math, but I personally, I don't want to push him to go into STEM specifically. I think he's too young for it. I want him to be able to make a choice of his own, generate interest of his own. But I think he's still at a very privileged position because I'm an engineer. So at home, the word engineering, the word science comes up all the time. We talk about math puzzles as a casual conversation. So in that sense, I think my children are very privileged to have those opportunities at home. So for them, the entry point is very easy. I don't know about you, perhaps you're in the same boat where you have influence and impact and you hear a lot of these things in the background. So it's a very easy choice for you at this point. But most of kids that I know go to school, they may not have all these opportunities to have those exposures. What can they do? What can the teachers do to give them that opportunity? I think that with young kids, elementary school, middle school aged kids, the ideal way that I think to motivate them to go into STEM is sort of a 
throw everything at the wall and see what sticks kind of approach where they should be introduced to a lot of new topics, not only STEM, but maybe arts, other areas. But if the ultimate goal is to motivate more youth to go into STEM, then I think that youth should be exposed to STEM as much as possible at an early age. Maybe high school age kids who are slightly older who have grown out of this everything all at once approach. Maybe when they begin to start making their own choices about their own education, they can utilize resources like their school's library or city public libraries. Maybe if they aren't being encouraged to learn about STEM at home, they can utilize community resources like those libraries. And also, I know now that the internet has sort of broken into everything in everyday life, it's really easy to find information about anything you want almost instantly. And also community groups, finding like-minded people who are also interested in STEM. These are all things that young people who aren't being encouraged externally from their families to go into STEM can do to maybe learn more about it or discover their interest in STEM they weren't able to discover before. So thank you, Liz, for answering our questions. Maybe if you have any question now for us as older generations <laughs> that we can answer, if there are anything that we can do to help, this is time for you to ask us. One of the questions that I have is if somebody wanted to transition into a STEM field from a different field, or if they maybe didn't have very good grades in high school, are there opportunities for do-overs? And what would that look like? If something like that were to happen, are opportunities in different STEM fields just off the table forever? Or are, is there a way to get some opportunities back? I'll give a, a shot at it. So the answer is absolutely yes. Just as you said earlier, and I love your philosophy that just because you, you feel that it once doesn't mean that it's all over. So if I think about it from that perspective, then, and I think most people should coming out of high school, going into college, then the answer is yes, there is an opportunity to do a do-over, right? This is what college is about. You enter, you think you know what you want to do, and then all of a sudden you get exposed to other things. So my advice would be to you enter college and you take your general education classes. It could be one physics, one biology, one chemistry, one intro to engineering and see which of those you like. Sometimes a lot of your likes and dislikes is mostly based on the instructor that you had. <laughs> I remember my physics teacher being overly enthusiastic about teaching physics, where maybe my chemistry teacher, maybe not so much. And it doesn't mean that chemistry is less exciting than physics. It's just the way it was presented to me. You're very impressionable at the high school level in your first year in college. So one example of this very question that you asked is, when I was a faculty at RPI, I had a program called undeclared science majors. 
and it was exactly for students who wasn't quite sure what they wanted to do, but they knew maybe they should do science because that's what their parents said, or maybe they really did like science, but just didn't know which one they liked. So I would offer them an opportunity as a freshman to enter and work in my lab and figure out what it was that they liked to do. So I would expose them to interdisciplinary science. It would be some chemistry, some physics, some engineering. And when they would leave, the goal of the program was when they leave after their freshman year, they would possibly declare a major <laughs> in one of the STEM fields. So that was a version of a do-over to give them an opportunity to figure out whether they liked it or not. And some students decided they, they didn't like it and some students did, but that was the whole point. So it wasn't a success if everybody decided to go into STEM. For me personally, it was a success if the students left understanding what it was they liked to do. And it didn't bother me that it was not STEM. And also, I've seen people going to community colleges and trying to have a better understanding of what they like and what they don't because colleges are expensive and they didn't have maybe necessarily good grades at the high school to get them to college. So they start with going to the community college. So that would be other opportunity. And many of them, they can transfer those credits if they decide to go to STEM to colleges. I like to add, I think, yes, there are opportunities to do overs, but one thing I, I would like to caution <laughs> students is that you don't want to do it too often because every time you do do that do over, it takes extra, a lot of extra effort to really catch up, right? To do that complete do over to catch up with everybody else who had been there all along. So yes, there are, you have to be prepared to work hard to be where everybody else is and also be cautious every time you make that decision because it does cost time, right? Cost time and energy. If you do that so many times, life is over. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad that just because you choose to do one thing doesn't necessarily mean that you have to keep it forever. I know that a lot of people, when they're just going into college, they get very, very stressed over what they're going to do because they think that it means that they're going to have to pick something and just keep it for the rest of their life. One of my good friends went to medical school because of his parents but his heart wasn't there. He always wanted to become an engineer and he, he searched. He got his medical degree and uh, as a respect to his parents, well, it took him many, many years, <laughs> but then he started engineering and now he's working at the JPL lab because he has a knowledge of the medical field and also engineering field. So he got his PhD with his uh, MD degree and now he's a successful, happy researcher. So can I ask a question? What has been your personal experience in your STEM courses? For example, was it what you thought it was going to be? Was it a little bit more challenging? Was it a little bit of peer pressure because of something? What was your experience in, your, in any of your STEM classes? Did it meet your expectation? When I was going into middle school, everybody was doing online classes. So I didn't really get 
a real taste of STEM or science specifically. I didn't really get a real idea of what science looks like from that class because everything was so quickly ported over to online. And now that I'm in, I guess, a real science class, I found that it didn't necessarily meet my expectations of what science looks like. I thought that there was going to be a lot more hands-on work and a lot less PowerPoint. But also when we actually do do that hands-on work, I find myself getting frustrated very quickly and getting mad at myself that I'm not getting it down instantly because of that grade that's tied to that science class. Completely, completely understand. And I appreciate you speaking to that transition from going to online to the in-person and having this expectation when you get there and it didn't meet it. But then having that pressure to know that even though you might not be having a good experience, you still have to suck it up and get a good grade. It's a balancing act. But what I can tell you is that all three of us on this call are experimentalists or scientists or computational scientists. And we all still at this very time have very frustrating moments in air quotes, the lab whether we are working on something theoretical and it's not coming out to meet our expectations or whether I'm in the lab and the electrons are not cooperating today. <laughs> so don't get frustrated with yourself because that's science. And even though people keep saying it's an exact science, sometimes it's not, right? Because we're still trying to figure things out. But I definitely understand the stress of it being connected to your grade. But one thing I'll have to say, when it doesn't work out, one of my science teachers always told me, then you turn that negative into a positive and you talk about why that experiment may not have worked. So if you're working on something, you say, well, it's possibly because there was error. Like that's always our favorite thing to go to. Like there was error in the calculation or error in that particular experiment. And when you start thinking about it from that perspective, it, it does make sense that not every experiment is going to come out so perfectly. And so I just want to encourage you that when those times when the experiments don't work out to don't get so frustrated at yourself, but be creative in how you interpret those results and show your instructor that although it might not have been what he or she expected as the outcome for that lab, that you still did learn something and you learned why it didn't work, which also is a mark of a good scientist to understand why something didn't work. And that's why we create hypothesis because it may or may not work. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, and I think that anybody who's taken a high school science class can relate to already knowing what the outcome of the experiment should be before you do the experiment because that experiment's already been done so many different times. And I'm sure high schoolers have gotten really good at just changing the wording of a failure just a little bit to make it seem more scientific and less like a failure. Thank you, Liz, for sharing your thought. And I hope that our listeners follow their heart, whether it leads to STEM or not. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. This episode is sponsored by the Grider 
and its portfolio in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For students and researchers in mathematics, DeGrider's 2022 catalog is now available at thisacademiclife.org. You can follow us on Facebook and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.